Hey guys, and welcome back to the Leia Heilpern Show. Joining me on the show today, some might know him as Andrew Tate's right-hand man. He's a security expert, he's ex-military, loves shooting guns, wearing incredible Rolexes, and he loves traveling the world in style. Joining me on the show today, we have Sartorial Shooter, Jules, welcome to the show. How quite, are you? Quite the intro, thank you. All is good. Good to be here. I've, I've watched a lot of your shows, so it's good to, good to meet you guys. Good to be here. Yeah, it's yeah. great to finally meet you. We finally connected when the whole Andrew Tate thing just blew up, and it, it's been so. It's been a pleasure to kind of meet the other people behind the scenes and mm. and understand mm. more about the mechanics of everything. So it's a solid team, definitely. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So you're mm. in Miami. Before we get into everything, I just want to know how are you enjoying it here? How what are the differences to Dubai? I like. Well, there's a lot of rain. That's that's different. <laughs> it is. It's not usually like this, I promise you. All right, cool. We don't get much rain in the desert. I like it here. I view it as a bit of a, a sister city to Dubai. It's just Dubai's cleaner and safer. And ideologically, I'm more aligned with, you know, the, the Middle East than I am over here. But I can see that you can definitely live a good life here. It's a, You know, there's a good crowd as well. I've met some great people. I can see that there's a, there's a good life to be had here, definitely. Yeah, it's beautiful here. I do look at um, Miami and Dubai as mm. the sister cities. They're mm -hmm. very similar. Um, but let's get into it. I want to know more about you. Mm -hmm. I, I did know of you before Andrew um, was cancelled because, mm -hmm. you know, I follow a lot of his stuff, his content, so I can always like see who the different faces are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we finally connected during the spaces when we're all there like defending Andrew. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yep, we yep. did the spaces together. But who is Sartorial Shooter? Okay, cool. What is your background? So in terms of who I am, I mean, I, I'm here to represent the Tate Brothers and, and the War Room. And I'm here with you because of your support with the Tates. I really appreciate how loud you went. A lot of people went quiet when you know when all the nonsense came up around the false allegations with the Tates, whereas you went even louder. So I really respect that, which is great. Uh, background, yeah, Australian Army. Uh, I started as a soldier and then went into the intelligence world. I don't really talk about that much because it was a long time ago and, and people get a bit weird when you talk about all things intelligence. So I'm a private security uh, sector professional. I've worked across the Middle East and Africa in pretty much every active war zone in the last 15 years. And yeah, I, I solve tricky problems in tricky countries. That, that's the way I explain it. And, and for those who wanted to understand more about the security industry, you could Google things like threat management, uh, kidnap and response, uh, crisis management, evacuations, all, all these sorts of things that are what I lead at the management level now. I still deploy when needed. I still do some, some surveillance work, some executive protection work. But generally speaking, I, I'm management and I manage different assets, different resources around the world. So explain to me how you ended up meeting the Tates. Indeed. I believe you met about five years ago, yes, is that indeed. correct? Yes, indeed, five years ago, yeah. And, and how has he impacted your life? Oh, right, okay. So first of all, how I met them. Five years ago, I had something I needed to resolve in Romania. Uh, I contacted Tate on social media. I didn't really have any, any contacts there. He helped out in a way. I said, look, as a gesture of my thanks, come over to one of my facilities in Ukraine. I have various uh, weapons and tactics training facilities around the world. And we did some pretty intense shooting. I think I earmarked about 2,000 rounds for the three days but we went through 8,000 <laughs> these guys oh my God. it was dawn to dusk and then some very little sleep a lot of drinking back then thankfully that's all behind us um, and I realized that these guys were built different they're very high level of, of both mental and physical capability but at the end of that it was Tristan's birthday we're sitting in a cigar lounge and I heard them both speaking with such insight and such uh, clear-cut analysis of, of things like the war on masculinity on you know the failing West and I said to them guys you have a leadership role to play in terms of masculinity in terms of you know combating wokeness and all these things I'll, I'll support however I can now for the longest of time I was a guy in the background I was fine with that uh, however when they were um, detained and, and all these Twitter spaces that was the first time I really went loud uh, mm. and to speak up for Andrew and, and you know as a result I was docs so I don't need to say Know, hide behind so I thought I'll shoot anymore I can actually say my name <laughs> but um, 
it's because of the fact that I've been around the Tates so much, you know, more than anyone outside their family for the last five years, and because I know the real Tates, all these experts, these investigators, these journalists pretending to understand who Tate is. I know I've been there, and I'm, I'm, I'm a credible source of you know analyzing who a person is and isn't. So that's why I'm here. That's why I've gone loud. Um, as to how Tate has impacted my life, wow, many different ways. And I often talk about the importance of brotherhood. I think as men, you need to find other men on the same level as you to go and you know conquer the world and so on. Uh, that's based on the dynamic Andrew and Tristan have, their strong brotherhood. And also within the war and the organization they've created, we promote that that concept of having a brother there who's not only pushing you, but also catching you if, if you slip up, but also that, that living in that masculine frame, the example being if you if you wake up and you you know your brother goes to the gym at seven in the morning, you, you're not going to sit there and watch. You're going to do it as well, yeah, right? You have so, to. Yeah, yeah. so that idea of healthy male competition in a supportive sort of brotherhood, that has absolutely revolutionized pretty much every area of my life. And, and the organization that they created, the War Room, we've got so many capable men in there always sharing insights and advice, whether it's finances or fitness or parenting, you name it, you know, life hacks, all these things. So much knowledge has been drawn from both what I call Tate knowledge and from the war room information sharing. Pretty much every area of my life has been positively impacted. So that, that's why I speak of it so highly. It's, it's, I am living proof of the power of the Tate message to take you from that sort of vanilla existence mm. into someone who's created what I call a custom-made reality. If you, if you follow the tenets of Tate, if you, you get the right brothers around you, you can absolutely transform your life as I have done over the last five years. This is so interesting to me, the war on masculinity, and, and we're, we're going to get to that. Um, mm. So we'll do that. But I just want to go back a little bit um, to your newfound stardom. Um, you know, you're a security guy. You're, you're the type of person that wants to be, you know, behind the scenes. Mm. And I understand that and I get that. And sometimes I sort of wish I was behind the scenes, actually. <laughs> um, but how are you enjoying the newfound stardom that you have? I, I have to say I'm a bit conflicted. For, for the longest of time, even though I'm, I'm six foot six, I'm quite tall. I, it was an issue on certain t types of tasks. Like if you're doing surveillance and you're taller than everyone, you're going to stand out, right? Yeah. So I always put a lot of energy in being the guy in the background. Um, for you know many different tasks, I'd grow my hair out or I'd dress in a certain way that you know didn't didn't stand out. Obviously, all that's gone now. I'm okay with being recognised publicly, even though it goes against you know who I've been for so many years. Because the reason I'm being recognised is very positive. The mm -hmm. amount of people who come up to the Tates and, and now are coming up to me, and all I'm doing is is pushing you know the Tate principles and the Tate message. Just last night we were in uh, night before actually in a restaurant. One of the waiters spoke for two minutes about how one of my my videos had positively impacted his life. It was really touching. Like that, that's real. So I don't really need people coming up to me in public. I'm not a fan of it. But yeah. if it ties into you know spreading that positive message and changing people's lives for the better, I'll, I'll accept it. That's fine. But yeah, one day my my everything will get cancelled. I'm sure because I'm not going to stop supporting Tate. So my Instagram will be cancelled. My YouTube will be cancelled. Fine. Good. <laughs> Life will be simpler. Yeah, I'm okay no, with that as well. I'm with you. And it's funny because a lot of people often, you know, say that Tate's message is dangerous. I, I interviewed somebody who once said the war room is um, is a gang of men. That's what I've heard. Sounds um, good, actually. I like that. Okay, yeah. yeah, well, you know, with, with negative, evil <laughs> yeah, connotations. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because I have the same experience. As I'm walking around life, I have people come up to me and say, oh, I recognize you mm -hmm. from the stuff you say about Andrew Tate. I want to thank you. Mm. And every single person that comes out to me is well-spoken. Mm. They're polite. Mm. They're complimentary. And they know boundaries. Yep. They're not trying respectful. to be weird with me. Yep. They're respectful. Yep. And to me, that's the epitome of 
dictates message. Exactly. Professionalism, refinement, stoicism, yeah. being the man who looks after his people. It's all very positive. And all these journalists who want to claim that Tate's message is somehow negative, have a look at the comments under just about any Tate video. Mm-hmm. There are so many people saying, both men and women, that they agree with his message. It's had positive impacts on their lives. It's got them back in the gym. It's helped them you know, re- uh, reunite with, with family members that they were estranged with. It's helped them work harder. It's nothing but positivity. Yes, some of the things he said back in the day where he's trying to build build that, that character. Mm-hmm. Okay, if misinterpreted, they could be negative. I think young men of today are a little smarter than people are giving credit. I think they know when he's playing that gangster rapper character. Because if they don't, then we should ban all gangster rappers. Mm-hmm. We should ban all violent video games. Mm-hmm. We should ban all pornography. Like if, if young men of today are unable to see whether something's literal or something's entertainment, then we need to stop a lot more than just Andrew Tate's messages. Yeah, we need to stop Cardi B. Yeah, oh, my goodness. She's terrible. Oh we need God. to stop Cardi B. But she's actually admitted to crimes too. She yes. drugged and, and robbed people. Uh-huh. But she's out there winning awards. It's just such nonsense. And I have to believe that the majority of people see how much nonsense is out there. Even though the leftists and the haters are the ones who are most loud on social media, I'd have to believe you know the, the average person, the majority of this species, can pick the nonsense leftist, wokest, not you know just rubbish mm-hmm. as opposed to someone speaking truth and that's why the Tates are popular it's not because they say misogynistic things it's because they're, they're one of the few people with such influence speaking truth and speaking what everyone else is thinking anyway mm. there's nothing mysterious there they're just saying what everyone else thinks but doesn't have the the, the testicular fortitude to say or, or courage let's let's make it a gender neutral term there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that on this podcast right, you're, good. you're good you're in, you're in a safe space <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you like oh, we're in a conservative safe, safe exactly, space I like that exactly yeah. so out of interest, mm-hmm. what would you say Tate's goal is? Because at first, yes, he was very loud, very aggressive online, saying very controversial things. And now it seems to be very much more the matrix. Um, he's talking about, you know, inflation, which I which I love that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's talking about how governments are suppressing, the, how, oppressing the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depression's not real, all this like amazing stuff. What's his goal? Okay, so back in the day, it was to make money. When I met him, you know, five years ago, it was to make money. It's not money anymore. I mean, look, he still likes the conquest involved in money, but he's got enough money. He's okay. doing fine financially, which is great. Uh, now it really is, uh, it's a calling. He feels it's his obligation to wake people up. He feels that he has no choice other than to speak truth to power, so to speak. And, and people love it as a result. Also, a lot of people who want to understand Tate's true intent, check out Tate's final message on Rumble. That's where he says things like, look, when I was speaking to 5,000 followers, is different to how I'm speaking mm. to millions. Like, you know, he has that self-awareness. He's, he's very responsible with, with his, his word choice now that he's got, you know, global influence. And also check out the 41 tenets of Tate on his website on CobraTate.com. It clearly outlines the beliefs that he thinks every man should live by. That of stoicism, as I mentioned, mental resilience, looking after your people, the importance of brotherhood, all these different things. The importance of self-sovereignty as to what you put into your body, you know. All of these things are out there. His beliefs are very clearly outlined, but the journalists of the world don't touch on that. You know, they think they know better than Tate. When Tate is mapping out his own belief systems, you can, you can see it right there, but no one wants to speak about these positive elements. So, yeah, I, I really do believe that the Tates feel driven from a, like a higher calling now to speak against the Matrix and to wake people up. And let's face it, not many other people are. Who else is speaking to young men of today and putting forward that traditional masculine, yes, if you want to be the guy with muscles and the pretty girl and the nice car, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to lift weights and fight in the ring, there's nothing wrong with that. Tate is speaking in, in a world where masculine heroes have been taken away. I mean, even nowadays, we don't even have real masculine figures in, in, in movies. It's, it's all gone. Tate's one of the only masculine role models actually speaking clearly to what young men are looking for, which is the, hey, I'd like to live like that. And hey, maybe it is okay to want to be strong and, and, and have a, a you know, 
a lovely woman next to me. It's okay to want these things. I think it's quite powerful. We've all heard about the war on masculinity. In today's world, free thought, questioning the narrative, and traditional masculinity is criticized. Why? Because it threatens the control of those in power. To maintain this control, all platforms from media to entertainment have been harnessed to propagate a narrative that dilutes masculinity. Just like Andrew Tate and the Sartoro shooter are doing, we need to wake people up. Testosterone levels have been declining for decades, with a 17% drop among 60 year olds in 2004 compared to 1987. To combat the war on masculinity, it's essential to focus on activities that promote masculinity and healthy testosterone levels, like lifting weights and getting high quality sleep. But another solution for you is Black Forest Tocasterone and Black Forest Estanche. Black Forest Tocasterone is a natural anabolic compound that supports muscle growth, improves endurance, and increases strength, testosterone, lean muscle mass, and aids in fat loss. It's like steroids, but without any of the nasty side effects. Although tocasterone is non-hormonal and can also be taken by women. For the ladies, I recommend Black Forest Cistanche Turbulosa. It's a natural, non-hormonal supplement that can actually help improve energy levels, it can boost the immune system, and support healthy aging. Black Forest Supplements is a brand dedicated to this fight. They're on a mission to bring back traditional masculinity and femininity. You can visit their website and use the code LEIA at checkout for a 10% discount. Check the pinned comment in the description below for the link and the discount code. Stay strong, stay informed, and fight back against those who seek to control and manipulate us. As a woman, I love Tate's message for that reason. Awesome. Because <laughs> there aren't many masculine men left. Mm. I saw a meme online and it was like the heroes of the 70s. You had like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. You had, um, what's the other guy? Thank you. That's mm. exactly what I was thinking of. You had uh, Sylvester Stallone. You had mm -hmm. Bruce Willis. Like You had these like strong, ma like masculine, muscular men. And then now we have like skinny Spider-Man who literally is having therapy and a mother's meeting oh. during the Spider-Man thing. See, it, I can't watch those movies. I just can't, I can't watch either. them. And it, I mean, even Arnie's gone veggie and he's all leftist yeah. now. Like, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Everybody everybody has been corrupted. Mm. And actually, that leads me on to a, a question, which I don't have written down, but it's just come to me now. And I, I want to ask this. A lot of the people who were very controversial back in the day, like mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger was quite controversial mm. with his masculinity mm -hmm. and everything like that. He was like very that. blatant with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the and, and the women and, mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. this stuff. Now, he's kind of quite establishment telling people to lock down yep. take their medicines yep, yep. and things like that mm -hmm. so my question to you is do you think tate could ever get to you know in 30 years from now and he's you know an old man in his 60s or whatever do you think he could ever you know become a not establishment but mm -hmm. as everybody gets older mm -hmm. the, the the um the public perspective changes and everyone i think will eventually love tate the way they love all those controversial characters back in the day i agree do you think he could ever, you know, be on the side of that and I, start I, yeah, I, Tate, doing as I say, not as I do, preaching Tate, that? Tate is so Tate that I don't think he'll ever change. Mm. Like a lot of people try and say I'm his manager. You try managing Tate. Like Tate, the, both the Tates are going to do what the Tates are going to do. Mm -hmm. They will never change. They'll never become establishment. And to your point, I mean, I've spent a lot of time living in countries that are, you know, the old school dictatorship. I've lived in Syria. I've lived in Iran. You know, places where you need to put up the face of the leader on the wall and you need to show your fealty to that leader. Otherwise, you're in trouble. In the West that leader up on the wall is wokeism. Mm -hmm. it, it is this modern day degeneracy. Tate will never bow to that, mm -hmm. ever. He, he, he sees what it is. It's a system of control over the masses. It is modern day communism. It is a form of thought dictatorship, if you will. And he lives to fight against that. So he could never become mainstream. I, 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 
I know for a fact that he will give up everything he has, including his own personal freedom, to continue to push his message, which is anti-wokeism, sheep, matrix programming, all these things. So he, he is committed to his final breath. That's, that's not an act. That's real. And obviously, you know him really well. So were you surprised when the allegations came about? Not really, to be honest, in that we all knew some kind of allegations would come. I was a, I was surprised at how ridiculous they are. The mm. idea that someone pushing a Bugatti and flying private has the time or intent or, or energy to try and restrain someone or trick someone to take their TikTok money. Mm-hmm. Especially when the two main complainants, one of them said, hey, I want to get famous on TikTok, you know, when, when, they, were, when they met in a strip club in, in London years ago. Uh, and Tate said, all right, I know a thing or two about internet marketing. What's more credible? A, a, a multi-multi-millionaire trying to like – enslave someone or someone saying to someone who's known to be good at internet marketing hey i want to get famous on tiktok yeah like, you know <laughs> and then this the other main complainant from what i understand was only in romania for a few days and was staying in a hotel how how does that equate to trafficking so i was surprised that the the allegations that came in were so drastic and so laughable and so illogical but we all knew that some sort of play against him was coming i mean that, that's how it works when you hit a certain level of influence the system comes after you if you don't bend the knee so to speak if you don't put up the the picture of the leader on the wall and show your fealty to um, the leader being you know wokeism in the modern age yeah it's incredible because there are other men that that i know because obviously I, I do the podcast so I, I interview like men who are at the top of their game mm-hmm. and i've had people text me about different guys just saying by the way, Leia, stay away from that one. He's been, um, I've heard I've heard rumors that he's involved in in, um, in like rape cases, human trafficking. So like, it's not just Tate, it's any man well, that reaches a certain level, like you said, that's the attack it vector. becomes inevitable. That's the attack vector. And that's why I often say like on, on podcasts, young men of today, be careful who you let into your life. Because yeah. each new person you let in, that can be a landmine that gets you 10 years later. If you become a public figure, or you get a bunch of money, someone can decide, hang on, that consensual sex act that we engaged in 10 years ago, oh, I've decided it was rape. And now your, your reputation can be ruined. It's ridiculous. It's really risky. I say that to my, I actually said to my brother before he came to Miami, I was like, listen, like have fun here. Please be careful. The, some of the women here are insane. Mm. I've told him to be careful because it's crazy. And I, I think it's also, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to sound woke, but I don't think you need to gender it. A certain amount of the population will exhibit those dark triad tendencies, mm-hmm. you know, Machiavellianism, psychopathy, um, sociopathy. They say it's between 2 and 4%. So if you're a young man who runs through, say, 100 women, you know, two to four or maybe more of those are going to be textbook psychopath types who will lie and do whatever they need to do to ruin your life just to get whether they want some attention or they want some, you know, they're on some weird drama role play that they're doing or they want some cash. And uh, look, I, I'm very pro women looking after themselves. I've taught literally thousands of women personal security. Yeah. I have a daughter who I've taught, you know, how to be very assertive and also, you know, made sure she has hands. You know, she's done her fight training from an early age. Amazing. I'm very pro women knowing their boundaries and knowing how to protect themselves there are real cases out there where women are actually impacted by real crimes that gets impacted by all these false allegations rubbish i think it's i think it's a true evil thing to do and for some reason in society there's no deterrent not to make up lies you can make up a lie Mm -hmm. against a man it could be found out oh well it wasn't really true continue your life Sometimes there's 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 consequences, but most of the time there's zero consequences for a woman making false allegations against a man. That's extremely risky, and that, that's why I think anyone in the West needs. Oh, not even the West now. Romania's not considered the West, and look what's happening. Any man who is engaging in a lot of relationships with a lot of different women, they need to be really really careful because it, it, nowadays it's it's extremely risky, especially if you're on a path to, to wealth and and being a public figure. I actually believe that any woman who falsely accuses a man should be given the same amount of 
jail time as mm-hmm. the man would be given mm-hmm. for that exact act. 100%. 100%. A lot of it's irreparable damage as well. I mean, look, yeah, I, 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 I personally think, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it, I think there's a 33 cent solution for rapists. Let's put is it that it way. What? Sorry, say that 33 again. cent solution for rapists. Oh, okay. I don't know what the price of a round is nowadays. But you know, I, I believe in the death penalty for rapists. Yeah. I really do. But also in terms <laughs> of those who make false allegations against men, they can ruin a man's reputation, his relationships, his, his online reputation forever and there's no consequence that that is ridiculous then something needs to be done about that yeah no absolutely i totally agree with you and one of the things that obviously landed andrew in this situation is how how outspoken he's been not just about government and things like that but you know i know he said things about women he and i think you sort of said actually on the spaces that he likes to play this gangster kind of role even mm-hmm. though he he's not that but he mm-hmm. likes to play that and we we know that it we know that it that it's um that it's a facade if you like or whatever well he's an entertainer yeah he's, he's an, an entertainer ent- yeah. so so can you tell us who is andrew tate really okay cool so from five years of being around andrew tate not once have I seen him be rude to anyone ever. Not once have I seen him raise his voice. I and mean, again, I've lived in his house. He's lived in my house. Mm-hmm. If all of this drastic stuff was happening, I would have heard it. I would have seen it. Again, I'm professionally trained in assessing people. I'm pretty good at picking up on whether someone is you know, a liability or not. I wouldn't have him in my life. I, I wouldn't be speaking publicly for him if any of this nonsense could even be true. Mm-hmm. You no, know, not is true. Or, you know, if it was even possible, he's deeply respectful. He takes care of his people. And again, not once have I seen him be rude even to a waiter or waitress. Not once have I seen him ever get angry. He has complete emotional control. The idea that he's out there doing all this wild and, and completely illogically exploitative behavior is just is so not real. And I've seen it firsthand, which again is why I'm sitting here and, and going public with this sort of thing. And I want to talk about the Vice interview because that, I actually reacted to that. That was phenomenal. Uh, the reason I say phenomenal is because the way, the takeaway that they that they took from that was so interesting to me. Mm. I watched it and I see, I saw you in it obviously. Um, and I see men just striving to do better, yep. right? I, there was a part where you told the men to like get in the ring, there was no preparation and you just have to fight. Mm-hmm. And then the men afterwards, were interviewed and they said they were so happy that they did that. Now yep. they feel, you know, I can go home to my wife, I can go home to my my kids and I feel accomplished, I feel like a man, I feel like mm-hmm. I can, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yep. And then uh, Vice is like, they all seemed terrified. It seemed like they were like pushed into doing it. Like they were threatened. <laughs> they were bullied. Yeah. Right, so what was your involvement in that? Yep. And what was your overall take? Okay, so one of the tenets of Tate is it's, Tate says, I believe I have the right to to put on or to facilitate very challenging experiences as a, as a rite of passage for men. Mm-hmm. And many cultures around, you know, throughout history and even today, if you don't go through some sort of struggle, some sort of rite of passage as a young man, you're not officially a man of the tribe. This is a very powerful thing in putting through men through a healthy amount of struggle. Society doesn't do that. So in the war room, we do a lot of these things. And it's super satisfying. I, I really enjoy it. I, yeah. I run some courses and some, some events that do similar. Uh, the test was an absolute masterpiece in terms of really confronting people with their fears and really putting them through some healthy struggle in a very risk-managed way. So it was very professional. Um, watching our vice guys come in and greatly enjoy themselves. But then afterwards, Matt was this timid little guy who, in order to infiltrate the war room, I had to agree to get in the cage fight. Yeah. I got on a phone call with the head of vice security yeah, who does what I do for vice. And I said, mate, medics on standby, professional fighters, everything's above board, everything's being run in a very... Uh, risk managed manner we can vouch that you know nothing terrible will happen yes it's going to be a fight but you know it's not like the fighter's going to come in and, and try and stomp on his head or something it's, it's, it's a professional uh, setup 
the vice head of security said, okay, great. Matt was sitting there. Again, I drove him around. We picked him up. We took care of him in every way. And then he wants to portray that he was some victim who had to fight. Did he, he have a good time? He loved it. He loved he it. He absolutely did. That was real brotherhood there. And even the guy behind the camera, Jamie, he said, you know what? I see the good that you guys are doing here. <gasps> yeah, they, they were super positive and they weren't pretending. Again, I can read when someone's yeah, yeah, playing. Yeah. They were having a great time. And Matt himself found it to be a hugely formative experience. Of course. But as, as soon as we came to that final interview, which was three hours and they only showed like one minute of it, which was me saying this is rubbish and walking out, yeah. <laughs> having a little, yeah. little tantrum there. Uh, all of these questions came out and all of a sudden he was back in woke mode and, and trying to and also I'm sorry, you cannot verbally trip up Tate. It was mm-hmm. if one of the biggest mistakes of my professional career was not saying, Hey, we should film this Vice Doco. Because for three hours, Andrew just ate Matt alive with ease, just just verbally destroyed him. That would have gotten more views than the whole Vice documentary. It was a masterpiece from Tate. But unfortunately, it'll sit in the Vice archives forever. They'll never release that because it makes them look so bad. So the whole thing was just laughable. Those guys saw the value of what we're doing. They had a great time themselves. They were very looked after. Again, I even spoke to their head of you know, Vice security to get approval and Vice, you know, the Vice risk management people to get approval for Matt to go into the ring. Every, we were working together mm-hmm. to facilitate an amazing experience. But boom, the, the snake character came out. He's a ma- he's a man without honor, as you can see. So what went wrong? Like, what? I don't get it. He had such a good time. Mm-hmm. I could see as well in the documentary that everybody was very um, welcoming yep. to, um, to, was it Matt? Matt? Yeah. Matt? No, yeah, nobody trusted him, but numerous of people. Of course, I saw that as well. And I was having to convince them, look, if you want to talk to him, you can. But then they try and portray it that I'm controlling the narrative and stopping Vice from talking. I had to convince people to talk to Vice because no one trusts Vice. The idea that I was somehow stopping the, the, the thing, I was making it possible. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it's just, and again, when they became bankrupt, my goodness, I had a good laugh when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's, you it's, did. Reality wins in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. karma, karma always strikes. Yep. So, so, that's, so why did they have to turn that into a hit piece? Okay, the agenda is so clear. The, again, this, and then you can see, you can say the same of all the mainstream media. They're not seeking truth, they're not seeking genuine reporting. They are trying to push a predetermined agenda as part of their whole leftist, wokest, you know, bending a knee to the leader of the day, which is this wokest ideology. There's no there's no genuine reporting anymore. None of them are interested in the truth. They all come with an agenda and they try and get those gotcha moments to push that agenda. That's all all of this reporting is. It's quite actually it's actually quite disgusting. Also purely commercially. If you were the BBC or Vice, what if you did a documentary that showed both the positive and the negative of Tate's no one's done that yet. No. That's something people would watch. Yeah. Not oh another hit piece, turn it off. Maybe we'll do that, Gid. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Maybe we will. So let's get into this, this war on masculinity. Mm. Um because it's it's actually really sad. Like as as a woman, I think it's sad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where where are the men? Like where are the it's you know yep. where where are they? You want that 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 stoicism? You want to be led? You want to be looked after? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're a little bit older than me. So what was it like back in the day? I don't know. What was it like? like is this <laughs> is this is this is this a new war? Has it always been like this? What were the dynamics between men and women when you were in your twenties? See, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I'm 40, so I think we've we've got um. I can't really speak back in the day too much, I don't think. 20 years ago. Well, look, come on. The world has changed so much. Even in the last 10 years. Yeah, indeed. The world has changed so much. Like, we didn't have have all this crazy trans stuff 10 years ago. Yeah, that's pretty new. Um, Yeah. To be honest, I'm not really sure. In in that for my 20s, I was just working. Uh, And I was moving constantly and I was spending most of my time in countries where you're not really going to be dating. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You've got to watch out. 
But what I have seen is the drastic, like exponential curve in the attack on the family unit, the mm. attack on traditional gender roles. It's really gone in a hyperdrive. You cannot watch a Hollywood movie now without getting assaulted with what is essentially psychological operations. It's a psyop. <laughs> They're trying to program things into you. And I really feel sorry, especially for women in today's day and age. I mean, men can get on a base level what they want. It's very easy to get laid if that's what drives you as a man. It's everywhere. But for a woman to find a good, caring man who embodies those traditional values and will protect and provide, I think it's getting increasingly difficult to do it. And I think the only way you're really going to find it nowadays is through men who have you know, aligned themselves with their faith. Mm -hmm. If you as a man growing up don't subscribe to a certain faith that keeps you, you know, away from temptation, temptation's there and it's so easy. You're going to engage in these things. You're going to be led by hedonism and so on, as so many men are today. Uh, so yeah, I really do... Uh, I empathize with women looking for that traditional man because it's extremely rare nowadays. I'd say you have to look at religious communities because how else would a man stay on that straight path and, and, and want to enter into a traditional relationship? I think a lot of men want the traditional woman, submissive, caring, you know, supportive, but I don't see that many men prepared to give their side of things, which is a lot. Like As a man, to be able to properly take care of a woman, you need to have your money right, you need to have your time right, you need to have that that emotional uh, awareness in order to, to lead and to, to lead the family unit, that's a lot of responsibility. And I think most men nowadays are like, eh, I could do that or I could just go on Tinder and get unlimited hedonism. <laughs> so so it's, it's a tricky one. So on that point about this like unlimited hedonism, mm -hmm. doesn't it get tiring? 100%. So yeah. um, say a man's been doing, even like, okay, say he starts getting his money right when he's like 28 or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's been sleeping around from 28 to 35, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Isn't that just so empty and tiring? Like, doesn't he just want like one woman who's just going to be there? Okay, so no high value man's ever going to want one woman. That's a bit okay, of a myth. I'm okay. not sure if you want to bury it down on that. So throughout history and throughout many cultures today, and even I said this to our man in Vice, and he tried to say it was misogynistic. I mean, history is history. The, the village elder, the guy at the top, who's able to look after multiple families, typically he'll do that. So one could argue the natural state for a man with options is to enjoy those options. The question is, how does he do it? Does he do it running through endless skanks? Or does, does he do it in a healthy way where he's managing multiple families? You can see in many cultures, you can see in the Islamic world, there are healthy ways with which to express that urge. So I think for those men who really want to be the man and have a bunch of women, get your life together to the point where you can do that in a healthy, legal, clean way. Mm -hmm. But I think the issue is nowadays, because that takes a lot of effort, right? Yeah, The issue is nowadays, it's a lot easier to just never stop chasing. And, and there's a lot of thirst. And I think it's, it's part of the societal programming to make men thirsty. It, the songs you listen to, the movies, it's all these men, oh, if I only get this girl, then I'll be happy, or don't leave me. All this thirsty blue pill programming we see being pushed on men. And I think it's worked. I know a lot of very successful men who should get sick of that chase. I got sick of it years ago. I, I don't run through endless skanks. I think it's empty and boring, to your point. But I know a lot of successful men who aren't getting bored of that, and that, that's just their model. Or they'll be, they'll be. Do they have to have like? Do they have to be some level of like damage to to, need I, to do I, that I all I don't the think time so. I, I think every man on a deep level wants sexual variety. And I know that women of today don't want to acknowledge that, but that's a biological fact. And when you look at the way the species is designed, a man can do his part of, 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 you know, of insemination three, four times a day is fine. If a woman gets pregnant, that's nine months of vulnerability and then years and years of vulnerability, essentially. So there's a lot more potential consequences if we look at it, you know, without the whole abortion debate and all these things and contraception. Yeah, a woman is a lot more vulnerable when it comes to the sex act and the implications that come from that. Than, than a man is, you know, if we look in yeah, the old school context. Yeah. So a lot of men, there's no reason not to. 
And, and so they just they just engage in that uh, forever. Of course, it's a lot more meaningful when you're with someone that you love. But what I would say is the idea that a high-value man is going to conquer in business. He's going to be the man. He's going to be attractive. He's going to be capable. He's going to be masculine. But when it comes to woman, he's going to do exactly what you say and only be with you. That's a bit of a myth as well. And so I, I think it's any woman who's searching for that high-value man, again, who wants him to be the man in every, every way. But when it comes to what he does with his dick, he's going to answer to you and do what you tell him. I haven't seen that work. I, and again, rich men just go on business trips and exercise their their options that way. Like the okay. idea that men are happy as as in monogamous relationships, high value men, they probably need to have their testosterone checked. I mean, again, I don't want to say anything. I mean, okay, I'm saying things that people won't like. Okay. Through my lived experience, high value men with their money right, masculine, capable, fit, all these things, they are they're going to have many options, and then they're going to exercise those options. It's just about how they do it. Okay, so several questions. Mm-hmm. First question is. <laughs> Can you have too many wives? Like, is there is there a limit? Can you and and are you required to give all wife the same level of attention? 100%. Within Islam, you need to give this, the same level of attention to all, yeah, and that's the challenge. So there must be a limit on how many wives you, you can. You well, can it's, it's four. Deal with. It's four legally, um, okay. and, and to be honest, it doesn't happen that often, just because it's so much work, right? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I'm one woman and I'm a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, isn't that the truth? Um, but no, so yeah, in, in the Islamic context, it's four. Um, I think what most high-value men do is that they'll have, you know, the marriage and the normal house life, but then they'll travel and they'll, they'll you know, exercise their options in other ways. Like, mm. I don't know any high-value men who are still fit and still about it as men who are happy being monogamous. They might have a loving wife who they take care of in every way, but they're still going to quietly exercise their options. That's just biology. And and trust me, if I could turn that off, if I think if men could be happy just with one woman, we might choose that because that'd be a lot easier. <laughs> that'd be a lot, lot less hassle but on a deep level it's there now I think men should have some self-control and I think men shouldn't just be led by you know the lower brain and they should have some ethics and if they're going to pursue variety they should do it in, in a way that is, is clean and safe and, and all these different things but um, I don't know any high value man who is happy with monogamy and I think that's how we are as a species I still think men have the responsibility to con- control that and not be led by that but that's there That that's that's you, if you want that traditional high-value man. I mean, Tate talks about this. You want the Toyota that's going to be reliable all the time, go get the Toyota. Mm-hmm. But women don't want the Toyota. They want the Ferrari. And guess what? Ferraris, they're expensive. They have maintenance issues. You need to accept some things when you have the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. That's what I've seen through lived experience. Some people might disagree with it, but that's that's what I've seen uh, with, with my 40 years on this planet. And just finally, because I know we're tight for time, which is annoying, um, mm-hmm. but I want to get, I just want to finish on the topic of the war on masculinity. Mm-hmm. I want to uncover, I guess, your take on what is the purpose behind it mm. and who do you think is behind this war? I think it's pure control. I think corporations want people easily controlled because then the marketing messages will work. You know, if, you, if you're deeply unhappy inside, then you're more prone to buy what they tell you to buy because it'll make you feel better. I think governments want people to be controlled um, because then the fear campaigns will work. You know, there's a lot more of us than there are of the elite. Mm-hmm. If you're the elite, the main game is keeping your power, keeping your wealth. It is in your best interest if the people are sheep. What's the number one issue with people being sheep? It's masculinity. Men who are free thinking, who have, you know, they're in touch with faith. So they don't answer to the government. They answer to, you know, their God. Who have a strong family unit. They're not going to be as susceptible to the marketing messages. They're not going to be as impacted by the government control fear levers being pulled. That's why you see nowadays anything about free thinking, masculinity, you know, questioning the narrative, men banding together, all of that's being absolutely pushed down because that is a, a very strong 
uh, threat to you know ultimate control of the population. That's how I view it. I agree. I always say that if we lived in a time where men were more masculine mm-hmm. um, and you know women didn't have to do their part and rise up or whatever, I think that the lockdowns and the pushed medicines and all that, I don't think they would have gotten away with it. 100%. Uh, and to me, it's, I mean, Australia being an example, Melbourne was locked down for nine months. It's crazy. Like people me. stuck in their house for nine months. You know, small businesses ruined, all these sorts of things. You can look online and see the street cameras in somewhere like Sweden, see that people are walking around. But no one does that. And then the person who pushed that, you know, dictator Dan, as they call him, Dan Andrews, he was just voted in again by the majority. It's mind-bending. And that, that, to your point, speaks to the fact that free, independent thought, you know, masculine men who are prepared to stand up and rise up has been absolutely crushed out, out of that society. I've spent six weeks in Australia in the last 15 years. <laughs> I, ideologically, I'm repulsed by what I see down there. It's such a pity. That's, for- what, that's what blows my mind. It's, you know... You have to live by your own um, lived experiences. Mm. And, you know, I walked around, I traveled and I didn't see anyone dropping dead. I didn't see any, I didn't see anything. Or what I did see was nurses dancing on TikTok. That's a lot of that. I did see that. Yep. And so I don't understand how these people, you know, voted down back in again. It makes no sense to me. It, it, it is proof of the fact that the war on masculinity, that the matrix programming, that this push to make people sheep is working. In the majority of cases, it's working. And it's because the left controls the information flow. They control everything from media to, to Netflix to social media, you name it. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't see how we're going to defeat wokeism other than just, all right, all you sheep, you go live how you want to live. Yes, I a think few of us can live a bit of a different way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think, think the sheep can be saved at this point. I agree with you. I think we're moving into two parallel societies. Mm. And um, I think with people like yourself, with the Tates, you're waking people up. Mm. And so that's why when... when As are you. I try my best, but you know, <laughs> I, I think it, you guys are obviously doing a, a much louder, bigger job. And, and I think it's amazing. And that's why I was so loud um, mm. in supporting Tate because I think what he's doing and what you guys are doing is so important. Um, awesome. Also, I know my brother has a question. He's been dying to ask you about mm. a Bugatti or something. So Gid, do you want to ask his question? Yes, so I know a lot of Tate's uh, assets, cars, other things got seized, Mm -hmm. but I know there was, because we saw the videos, I think there was Rolls Royces, McLarens, but I Mm. know the Bugatti might be somewhere secretly. I was just wondering, you don't have Mm. to answer specifically the question, but is it in the custody of the Romanian authorities or whoever else, or is it somewhere safe? Okay, well... That's all I want to know, I mean, because it's a Bugatti and I like it. Indeed, indeed. What I would say to answer that question, I'll ask a question... If they had seized the Bugatti, would they not put photos of that seizure everywhere? Thank you. I'll <laughs> answer the question. Okay, the one of 60 is safe. That's great to know. That's all I wanted to know. Good stuff. Can either confirm you. or deny. Just, you know, deductive yes. reasoning. We would have seen a lot of it if they actually got it. That's yeah. that's that's smart. that's my belief. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's smart. Okay, that's great to know. Thank you. So before all this, uh, I call it red pill, Andrew Tate stuff or whatever, um, I am like really big in crypto, mm-hmm. love Bitcoin, love freedom. I think it's an amazing tool to help enable freedom. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, are you into crypto? Mm-hmm. I know like Take talks about Bitcoin and stuff like that. Are you interested in crypto? Do you own anything that you can share with us? Um, not really. I- I've got you know, a little over seven figures in-, in crypto. I don't consider myself a big crypto That's player. That's a lot. What do you mean not really? <laughs> oh, okay, well, I- okay, well, I don't view it as yeah. a-, a significant play, so to speak, but I think it's definitely worth putting um, some assets into that. I'm also a big believer in property in countries where governments will leave you alone. Which countries are that? This is where I talk about the UAE. So people really? t- people talk about being, yeah, I like your expression there. Oh, but we have freedom in America. It's not free over there. If you put, put your head above 
you know, the parapet, so to speak. If you say things you're not allowed to say, if you get to a certain level, the government here will come after you in a big way. The, the woke mob will cancel you. In the UAE, as long as you don't criticize the religion, don't criticize the government, which is something I would never do anyway, then you, you get left alone. You can live well. Be a good citizen. Go about your business. The system doesn't come after you. You are allowed to have conservative values. You are allowed to say, I don't agree with men dressed in women's clothing dancing around in schools. And indeed, the government agrees with you. Hmm. So I, I'm a big believer in buying property as well. Because look, I love all things virtual. I also like things I can live in. I can, you know, I like things I can touch. <laughs> um, you know, palpable assets. I, I, I do like gold. I mean, I think of these as you can turn this into cash anytime. You know, this is a contingency plan on the risk, so to speak. Uh, and I've got more in, in this than I do in, in crypto, <laughs> to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, in, in watches, uh, just because it is that easy turn back into cash. And, and during a bull run, it actually performs sort of in parallel with crypto, to be honest. Um, but if you have property in countries and, a, and, and you're on multiple grids in countries that leave you alone, as long as you follow the rules, I think that's a great play too. I feel a lot more free in the UAE as the sort of man that I am with the traditional values that I have with, with the way I want to live my life than I do in, in the US. If you, if, you have any, if you have any role or any sort of public face and you say certain things in the US, they will come after you. That to me is not freedom. You know, the woke mob will come after you, you can lose your job. Walking down the street in somewhere like London with a nice watch, someone will come at you with a hammer. To me, that's not freedom. Being in a situation where you have to be very conscious of the agendas being pushed on your kids' minds in school, that to me is not freedom. doesn't happen in the UAE. So again, in all these different metrics, if we want to talk about genuine freedom to live the way you want to live for people like us, I look at the UAE as vastly more free than any of these Western cities. And that's where I believe building property uh, as, as a you know, counterplay to virtual assets makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting to hear because I was I understand that the UAE is 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 free and the government aren't coming after you. I, I get that, but I was always under the impression that if you did something wrong or if somebody framed you and then the government believed that you did something wrong, then they could potentially take back the land. I was under the impression that they still owned it even though you bought it, but no, perhaps I'm wrong. Not at all. Okay. So you're um, the idea that, uh, the government will leave you alone. Be a good citizen. You have to work hard to get in trouble in UAE. You'd have to publicly <laughs> say really negative things or do crude sexual acts in public. Or, you, know, you have to work hard to get in any, any trouble. The way the government works over there is you be a good citizen, you can live here. If not, we'll kick you out, done. I like that. It's like the whole country has some form of access control. Yeah. And from a security risk management perspective, it's a very well-run country. I feel a lot more free as, with, as a man with traditional values and the beliefs that I have in the UAE than I would in any Western country. And indeed, that's why I live there. I guess it means I... Need to move to the UAE then. There you go. go. Come over, guys. I'll I'll host you there. We go shooting again. You need to beat your sister next time, brother. She (laughs) she, she shot better than you, man. (laughs) Well, as they say, women are better shooters. I don't know. Um, But Jewel, I I didn't say that for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Jewel, I want to thank you so much um, for coming on. It's been so interesting hearing about your background, learning about your relationship with Andrew. Um, So yeah, I want to thank you so much. Awesome. Let's do this again in Dubai. I'll sort everything out. We'd love to host you guys. And thank you for everything you do to support Andrew. I really really respect that. Indeed, that's why I'm here and and wanting to talk to you. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you both. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And of course, follow Satorial Shooter all over the internet. You can stay up to date with everything that's going on with Andrew.